to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew's Gospel, a 25th chapter, beginning in verse 31. Listen for the word of God as it comes to you today. When the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who were members of my family, you did it to me. And then the king will say to those at the left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous They will go into eternal life. This is the word of God for you, the people of God, from the 25th chapter of Matthew. We say thanks be to God. I love living in Georgia. I couldn't always say that, but I can say that now. It took a little while to get used to this place, but we have gotten used to it. We love it here. This is our home. But there's at least one thing about Georgia that I've never quite gotten used to, and that's how far away we are from each other. Part of it is the way our communities were made. 
We're socially distant, right? Not that six feet away kind of socially distant that we're doing right now. It's more than that. It's our car culture, right? And the, the way our communities and towns were physically laid out. I used to joke that I would see more people before I got to the subway station in New York City uh, in the morning than I would see living in Georgia all day long. Our distance here from each other also has to do with historic patterns that are still inscribed into our communities where black people live and where white people live and where wealthy people live and where poor people are allowed to live. We are just not as close to each other in Georgia as we could be and as I would say we should be. This distance between us shapes our lives and often for the worse. I always come back to the words of Ed Loring, who for many years with his late partner Murphy Davis, may she rest in peace, together they led the Open Door community over on Ponce de Leon, where folks following Jesus lived with and served those who are living as homeless. Ed would always say to anyone who would listen that the gospel is about closing the distance between people. God wants us to be close enough to each other that there can be no doubt that we are in relationship with one another. Jesus' teachings and most of his doings are about closing the distance. Closing the distance is also the goal of this parable of Jesus, is the parable about the sheep and the goats. God so deeply identifies with any of us who are cut off from nourishing human relationships that when you and I draw close to those same folks, when we close the distance, when you listen to them with love and hold their hands with your hands and care for their life with your life, when you do this, it is as though you are tending to God's own body. You are loving and serving God. Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Can you close the distance? Can you close the distance between yourself and other members of God's body, whatever that distance might be? It sometimes felt easier to close the distance when I lived in New York, if only because of the subway. Everybody, from those without homes to those living in the grandest of homes, used the subway in New York. I remember Very clearly, one evening, I had stopped at a deli and filled up one of these little containers with split pea soup, and I got a big roll to go with it and a big juicy green apple. It was Lent, right? It was in February, and I had been fasting. I had been eating only rice for lunch, and I was super hungry that evening. So my plan was to sit down on the train and break open the soup, drink it directly out of the container, and then dunk the roll into the soup cup and sop up the last few drops of soup. And then I would bite into the green apple as my dessert. When we walked down the stairs... Uh, into the subway platform, I remember seeing him. Now, this guy was there almost every single day. Sometimes he was lying on his side on the concrete. Sometimes he would be leaned up against the bench. He was in really bad shape, right? Uh, No socks, probably no underwear, uh, really, really dirty. So physically beat up by living on the street that you couldn't tell whether he was 45 or 75. I walked past him and I did that almost 
every day. But on that day when I walked past him, uh, you know what thought popped into my head? Right, it was Jesus saying, I was hungry and you gave me food. All right, Jesus. So I had the choice. I could go ahead and walk on by. I did that many days of my life. There are soup kitchens all over New York City that that guy could have gone to to get something to eat. Maybe he was asleep already because he had just eaten. I mean, surely other people gave him food and gave him money during the day. I could have walked by or I could stop. I could give him some of my money or I could give him my dinner. I heard a rumbling right about that same time, which was the sound of the train, the subway train coming down the tunnel. I had about five seconds to make a decision. So what did I do? What did I do? Well, I'll come back to that in a few minutes. First, I want to tell you about my love-hate relationship with this passage in the 25th chapter of Matthew. First, why do I love it? I love it because I would not be a Christian without this particular passage. In my own life, and maybe this is true for some of you, I became convinced about the moral imperative to feed people who are hungry and house people who are currently homeless long before I became committed to Jesus. Like many thoughtful people, I thought Jesus' divinity was a little bit dubious. And I was certain at that point in my life that the church was a bunch of hypocrites who had escaped there, not to follow Jesus as much as to feel better about themselves while they ignored Jesus' teachings. So by the grace of God, and, and I can't really explain how or why this happened to me, but as a teenager and later in, as I became a young adult, I started to read the Bible, mostly on my own. I had grown up in a liberal church, not unlike North Decatur Presbyterian Church, the kind of church where, because we don't believe the Bible is literally the word of God, we don't feel like we literally need to read it that often, let alone obey it. But it wasn't until I read the Gospels that I understood that here was a description of the person that I felt called to become. I did want to be a person who genuinely loved other people. I wanted to be someone who stood up for what is good and right in the world. I wanted to be like Jesus. Now, Matthew 25 became my kind of go-to text. I could get behind a Jesus who would say something like this, a Jesus who would expect this kind of behavior from us toward others and who would draw a, a, a firm line and say nothing less is ultimately acceptable. I loved this text, mostly because it made me feel good about myself because of what I already believed. Which is also why I started to become uncomfortable with Matthew 25 after a while. I came to see that this passage gets uh, pulled out by liberals as a way of browbeating others whom we think are not as caring as we are for those who are poor and disenfranchised around us. We can use it to justify things, justify uh, food stamp programs or housing programs or universal health care and say, well, look, I mean, Jesus says if you don't care for the least of these with this or that government program, then you're going to go to hell. Something about the way that 
we folk, progressive folk, were using Matthew 25 felt a little bit dishonest to me. So I read the parable again and again and again. And the more deeply I read it, the more I realized that I don't even buy this whole construct of sheep and goats. This notion that in the great by and by, we'll all line up as individuals or even as nations, and Jesus will literally separate us, right? Sheep, goat, sheep, goat, sheep, goat, right? It's way too binary. What's closer to the truth, and you know this, is that every one of us is part sheep and part goat, we're like some freak genetic accident gone wrong. None of, us is, none of us is morally pure when it comes to the ways we actually care for one another. I've come to a place where I think this story is important. Not because of what it says about our sheepishness or about our goatiness. This text is important to me because of what it says about Jesus. Jesus comes into our world to heal it and to heal us. Jesus is always saying to us, when you think about the circle of relationships that make you, you, you must, you absolutely must prioritize relationships with the people whom you are most likely to leave out of that circle. The people who are farthest from you, the people who are most distant from your mind, draw those folks in first and then make the other circles. Jesus goes so far as to identify uh, with those folks who have been cut off from the body, cut off from nourishing, redemptive relationships so that we ourselves won't dare to cut them off too. Go to the prisons, he says. Go to the part of town that you've never been to because someone a long time ago told you it wasn't safe. Go to the place where the people are not at all like you or the place where people don't like you. Go to the place that disgusts you. Go to the place that scares you. That's where I am, Jesus says. Make that place like a home. Make friends with the people who are there. These friendships, they might help those people, but they will save you. This parable is not a proof text that we should use for expanded food stamps or housing programs or for Medicare for all. Although let me be clear, I would be happy to make the case that all of those things would express truly caring relationships for each other far better than what we're doing now. But this parable simply says and it says unapologetically, even relentlessly, that God heals the world by healing broken relations. God heals the world by giving us eyes of kindness with which to see one another. God heals the world by causing us to feel one another's pain when we would shut ourselves off from one another's suffering. God heals the world by closing the distance between us so much so that our lives will vibrate with the pain and also with the joy of our neighbors. God heals the world by getting us close enough that there is no doubt in our minds that we are part of the same divine body.
God made this world in such a way that there are things that we cannot do for ourselves. We need others to do them for us. And others need us to do things for them. These transactions, the affirmations of mutual need and mutual dependency, this is how the world is made whole. This is how you are made whole. This is how the hungry become filled with good things. Both those who are hungry for bread and those who are hungry for righteousness. God feeds us through relationships. So back to the subway platform. The train is coming. I can hear it rumbling. I'm not going to miss the train. You never want to miss your train. I decided to tap the man gently on the shoulder to try to wake him up. And it took a second. It took more than a second to wake him up. The light of the train appeared And the platform was filled with the noise of the subway cars rumbling past as it pulled in. And finally, he opened his eyes. And I said, hey, do you want some soup? And he said, what kind? And so I said, split pea. And he said, does it have meat? And I'm like, surprised. I forgot, right, that people who are hungry still have preferences of what they like and don't like. And I said, well, no, it's, it's vegetarian. He seemed okay with that. He didn't say a word, but he took the bag from me. And I got on the train, and the train pulled away, and I, I looked out the window, and I could see him start to unpack the bag with my dinner, which, of course, was never my dinner at all. It was his dinner but God had given it to me to give to him. And God had also, I think, given him to me because that was Jesus feeding me what I was hungry for. I don't share this story to try to make myself look good. I still don't know most days whether I am a sheep or a goat. But I do know, I do know that every time the distance between us closes, anytime the circle of life-saving love is drawn wider, anytime the hungry are fed with good things, that a part of this broken world, thanks be to God, is made whole. Let the church say, amen.